and uh, make sure that you get filled in on everything going on. So we are super excited for this, all right, everybody. Tomorrow night from 6 to 8 p.m. at 8th Street Park, we are having the Lift Family Picnic at the park. Who's excited? That's, so 6 to 8 p.m., come on out, bring the kids, bring everybody. And uh, we're just going to have a good time. We did this twice last year. It was such a fun time. Uh, so the kids can play, the adults can play. And uh, we bring some food for you and your family. Make a little extra to share. And we're just going to have an awesome time. So even if you don't have little kids, this is still for you. Just come out. And if you're newer to the church, this is a great opportunity to meet more people, make some more friends, and, and meet some new faces. So just take advantage of this. That's all I can say. It's going to be a phenomenal time tomorrow. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m., 8th Street Park. It's going to be great. Who's going to be there? Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. All right. This is great. We got almost everyone from the Sunday night service. Now we need another one from the Sunday morning service. So, praise God. All right. Next up, one week from the day, we have Ray and Janine Bench are flying in from Midland, Michigan. And the 6 p.m. And uh, we love Ray. He's been just a part of our uh, church for 13, 14 years, coming out here every year. And he's bringing his wife, Janine, with him. Uh, Reverend Bench was in charge of uh, basically the whole administrative end of Dr. Barclay's International Worldwide uh, Ministry for over a decade. He is a phenomenal minister, uh, businessman, everything. He is such an awesome guy. So be here next Sunday, both services. You're going to really enjoy him. And then we're just going to keep talking about this for a few more weeks. The new lift group called Help His Way. And this is going on uh, every Saturday morning at, on your seats, 7 a.m. And it's early for a Saturday. We get that. But you got to get there. You're going to do it. You're going to be committed. So 7 a.m., a bunch of them are meeting over here by Victory Hall. And uh, they're doing a, a brief devotion and a time of encouragement together. And then just doing some time walking uh, the property here, getting some exercise. And throughout the week, uh, Rosa Linda is doing uh, a devotion a couple days of the week with them. She's even started a blog for this. So she's just going all out. But, uh, but take advantage of this. It's a great chance to help uh, hold each other accountable. Uh, get healthy God's way and just uh, connect with some other people on the same journey, all right? So there's that for you. And then also, one more reminder, we have the Lift Tuesday night Zoom Bible study, and that is a really good time. Uh, that's every second or fourth Tuesday, so that'll be this uh, Tuesday, will be one of them at 6.30. Uh, they get together on there to do a little prayer and uh, go back over some of the Sunday sermon uh, for a Bible study time. It's a really, really good chance to encourage each other and get deeper into the Word of God. If you need the information on the Zoom thing, uh, we'll get it to you. I don't want to like have it right at the moment, but I can get it to you. So just let us know, message us. Leave your phone number and email at the info booth, and we will text you that link and get it to you. But again, a really great chance to get more connected and grow with the Lord, all right? Well, I think that's all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. Amen. All right, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. And the officers will get you one. We're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21. Amen. Are we excited for the word tonight? Amen. Proverbs 21. And we 
you're going to look at verse 26. Proverbs 21 and verse 26. Amen. And the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It tells us in so many scenarios exactly what to do in life. And I love it. The Bible tells us that King Solomon was the wisest person to ever live. And I'm like, man, I got to hear what he's got to say. And so Proverbs 21, verse 26 in the NLT, it says, Some people are always greedy for more. Now, I know you don't have to say who, but anyone you know, somebody like that, that it's never enough. They're always greedy for more. And even if they're rich, they just always want more, more, more. But listen how it is for the godly people. It says, but the godly love to give. Is there anybody here tonight that you don't you don't like to give? You love to give. Amen. Yeah, I know you do, man. You love to give. Well, check it out. That is one sign of being godly. It says it right there that people in this world that are greedy, they just always want more, more, more. How much can I get for me? What can I do? I've got to look out for number one, and that's the attitude they have. But Christians, godly people, that is not our attitude. Our attitude is, what can we do to give? What can we do to help other people? Because we think of ourselves secondly, and we think of Jesus and others before us. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Well, praise God. So as we give tonight, just hey, do it with joy and gladness, and know that you are a godly person, and you love to give. Amen. Let's stand up together tonight. We are going to speak some words of faith over our giving this evening. And then we're going to get into some worship together. And Pastor has got a great word for us. We're going to dig into the Bible tonight and learn some more. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
wasn't even funny. And all I could do is lay there paralyzed on the outside. But on the inside, I was a new creature in Christ. So on the inside, didn't shake me. Because I didn't know what to do. I just laid there. That, that brand new stuff to me. And then a day or two later, I was a new Christian. I was going to a church, so I wasn't a church person. And I made a few friends like some of you, when you do here, you think you know a few people. And this one girl is about my age. She called me on the phone. They said, Bernie, I think the Lord wants me to give you this verse. Well, I didn't know what verse were yet hardly. Because I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything. I said, okay. As you give Luke 10, 19, it says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shy of me hurt you. And so I held on to that. They said, I've learned a whole lot more about life and about things. But it really bothers me about Christians that are afraid of the devil demon spirits. Now I'm going to show you things tonight. If you will look at the Word of God tonight with your own eyes, and uh, I know a modern thing, we got all of our little Bible app, our little Bible things, and little Bibles on telephones and stuff like that. Well, see, that shows you how I have telephones. Yeah, we don't carry a telephone. We carry a, 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 a dumb phone. Amen. I don't call it too smart to find those dumb things. I don't know about yours. But anyway, anyway, we carry all those things there. But I have never changed all these years. I got those things on my phone too. And in a pinch, I'll pull it out from somewhere. But if you're in a church service and you have a real Bible, and you look at your Bible, you can mark something on it, you put yellow to it, put red stars around things, and verses help you. And then later on in life, as you're at home studying, you're someplace studying your Bible, you pull your Bible out, you'll be reading over here. You say, what's that yellow over there for? It'll be a verse like I'm giving you tonight. And you say, oh yeah, I forgot all about that. Or you put stars around and say, oh yeah, yeah, I remember the last time the devil tried this. I used that verse and it helped me know what to do. And so I really encourage you, really encourage you, get a real Bible. And don't just leave it someplace as a, as, as, as a window way or some poking window. Just get a real Bible and read it and mark it and, and use it. Because this warfare we're in is not fake. It's real. But it's not scary. And I'll show you why it's not scary in just a minute. And I was thinking about a lot of Christians I know. And uh, I never thought of it this way before. But I'm just seeing a lot of Christians I know in life. They're never conscious of what Satan's doing in their life every day. Until the battle gets so intense. They're about to give up on everything. Then all of a sudden, they're aware. Hey, I got the enemy. The devil's trying. He's, he's trying to mess me. He's doing things like that. Well, guess what? He is so subtle. He's trying things every day. Every day, every day. And I'm not giving him any glory. I, I took a couple, couple, couple of classes. But I went to Bible school back in 1983. Man, and Lester Summerall. And he was that point in time. The foremost spiritual war expert, I think, in the world. And, and uh, he, he, he talked about the defeated devil. He's under our feet. And we have to know who he is, how to handle him. And when we do, we don't get scared anymore. Right. Hey, man, I think about one of the first verses I ever taught all my kids and my grandkids. And I, I, I got to do with it in both that I know, but I want to embarrass her. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. How many know that verse? How many know where it's at? I just bought it. Does anybody remember what I just said? Uh, the girl blew right in the middle. Second Timothy 1 7. Second Timothy 1 7. 
2 Timothy 1 7. And I, I, think about, I think about the soldiers, the Marines, and the military people. They trained and they trained and they trained and they trained. Uh, my son in law, Colin, was down there a while ago and he trained out for early years ago. How long was he in that tank? 14 hours? Yeah. 14 hours of tank in the desert at Fort Irwin for training. Well, that training wasn't just something because they wanted to be beat, see how bad they hurt soldiers. When they go to the Middle East, they better have some heat. And the better be able have some heat with the gear on He said, take the mask and all those kind of things. And so when you come to church, this, this is your training. This is not that rough. But sometimes in church, just like in the military, you might have things in your life that cause you to lose when you get in the battle. Want to say that again? You might have things going on in your life that cause you to lose when you get in the battle. When we teach about a sexuality according to God's standards in the Bible, we're not doing that. Because we don't like people how they believe in modern times. We're doing that because God says there's only one kind of sex. That's the right kind of sex you'd be blessed with. Anything else open doors to losing. So when pastors teach on things like that, it's not saying, you know what, we just want to be mean. You don't love people. No, we love people so much. We want to help people get rid of things that destroy their lives. And when we teach about love and forgiveness, it's not because well, we don't really understand how we those people were. We understand the Bible's Christian spiritual laws that if you don't forgive people, even those that wrong you, you're going to lose your battle. We teach about breaking your tithe to God in His storehouse. We don't do that because this church is going to go broke. We don't get your money. We don't get your money. God does. And then God allows us to use it to be able to make things better for all of you. And so when we do that, well, that's all that church ever wants. They're just out after money. Well, that's the devil, spiritual warfare, by the your head, trying to destroy your life. And so all these different things we treat teach when we come into our armory here, into our fort, if you will, we're coming in here to teach you what to do. When you get out there, we want your families to win. We want you to win. Amen? And so I'm, I'm going to show you a few things tonight. And again, we're talking about how to win every battle against Satan and the demons. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Uh, well, I sure miss Miller, man. My biggest cheerleader, right? Give me a person. He went to SMGI for three years. He learned how to cheer. Uh, whenever we're talking about the Word of God, a lot of times I like people to shout and get excited because Jesus had a word or what. And whatever, I, I can say this Jesus is getting ready to talk to you. He wrote a letter to us, but read out his letter. So we're getting ready to look at Matthew 26 41. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in the slow murders class, Lawrence. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Is, is everybody ready? Matthew 26 41. And, and I found in my life, in my Christian life, there's two root sources of all battles I face in life. That's the same thing for you. There's two good sources. And we're going to look at one of them here briefly before I get on to the next. And so uh, here's one of your root sources that will cause you to either win or lose. Jesus said, watch and pray. That's really important, guys, to watch and pray. Don't watch the smartphone while you're praying. Amen. Don't watch out the women while you're praying. You need to do what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Go to your prayer closet. That's a quiet place where you shut out distractions and interferences. Turn your phone off. Turn the TV off. 
turn your, turn your phone off, and whatever you've got to do, find a quiet place where you can pray while you're also watching. Somebody said, well, what do you watch for? Well, I'm not going down that road today. The Bible teaches you in the spiritual realm all these things going on. You need to watch with your spiritual eyes and listen to your spiritual ears and the Spirit. Pick up on anything the Holy Spirit wants to show you about your life. And a lot of times in this kind of praying, you see the attack coming. This is like our we call reconnaissance, I guess, whatever that word is, where they have intelligence out there telling them, the enemy's over here, and they're going to come over here and try this. I cannot tell you how many times in life I've stopped battles and won it before it ever started because Jesus showed me what the devil had planned. That's what you watch for, what the Holy Spirit's going to say. Watch and pray. Now look at this, what he's talking about, though. That you enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Spirit, your Spirit is born again. Your Spirit is full of Jesus. It's full of God the Father. The Holy Spirit lives in your Spirit. And I guarantee you, Jesus the Father and the Holy Spirit are not afraid of anything.
Man, I suggest you get a seasoned, mature, Christian friend, prayer partner, you can be honest with. They say, man, this thing's trying to get me again. It's hitting on me again. I'm praying. Would you please pray for me? I won't let you know I'm having a bad day today. That thing's trying to come back again. And, you know, it might be things, yeah, I mean, it might be alcohol, drugs, or things like that. It might be depression, trying to get you on that feel sorry for yourself, bro, and get you to do something really bad to yourself. Or hurt somebody else. And those things try to get on you, Jesus already told us, your spirit's willing, <clears throat> but your flesh is weak. And your flesh, your flesh is a couple things. Your flesh is part of your soulful life. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind gets hit, and your will is a part of that soul. And if you ever hear the expression, they lost the will to live. Well, it's your will. Well, I might be the same thing for getting back into sexual perversion or something again. They lost the will to resist. It might be going back to alcohol or drugs. They lost the will to fight it. They just gave up. They, they just decided to go that way again. Well, see, that's part of your soul. And said, watch and pray. He got says, he said, your spirit, your spirit wants to win. But your spirit is limited by your flesh. And your flesh is also a part of your physical senses. you got five senses, part of your body. What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you touch, what you smell. And you know, you might, you might, you might be a man that's had a problem messing around with women you shouldn't have been messing with. And that perfume might hit your nose. That's part of your senses. Or you might see a, a picture of something that you shouldn't be looking at. And that picture is part of your senses. He said that your spirit wants to win every time. But your flesh is weak. And I want to say this again. Jesus gave us an open book test right here. He said, here's the answer. Here's the answer to the question. What do you do when you're tempted? Watch and pray. The answer not in. You mind the devil. Etc. Etc. And so the number one thing that I see in my life over all these years that all the people I've helped is this. You've got your own enemy, and that's your flesh. And years ago, I learned this. The Bible in Galatians chapter 5 says, crucify your flesh. That means put to death your flesh. Tell your flesh, shut up. You don't control me anymore. Jesus in me is greater than you flesh. And, uh, and then also, if there's demonic activity involved, again, now get this, I'm going to tell you something else, how this works, that we get into the deeper part of it. The devil will take advantage of your weaknesses in the flesh. If you've had alcohol problems, the devil makes sure that you see the Budweiser commercials if they still do them, I don't know. I don't know back in my days of Father Jesus. <clears throat> when I did those things, I saw those commercials everywhere. If I was trying to get over stuff, and all of a sudden, I saw it's Miller time. Well, it was Miller time then because I saw it, I yielded to it, I didn't know I could resist it. And so the devil will uh, challenge you in the areas that you fell for before. If it's been sexual problems, it will that route. If you've been a tither before faithful, you know how God took blesses tithers, and then the devil starts lying to you to bring things to you about why you shouldn't tithe. You gotta resist that and say, no, I know what the Bible says. I'm sticking with the Bible. If you've been a gossip, uh, the Bible teaches that gossipers are one of the worst things in the whole human race that God hates. He talks in the book of Proverbs, and it says, it says, it says that God hates what the soul's discord among the brethren. 
And so if you've been a person that likes to talk about other people, Pastor Dave did a really good this morning. You want to judge everybody but you? If that's been your weakness, then Satan's not going to challenge you on sexual things or drinking things or drug things. If you've never had a problem, then if your mouth has been out there getting all kinds of stuff turned up, then Satan's going to challenge you again. You know what he'll do? He'll send you two or three, two or three of your, or your former best gossip friends, and it'll be, hey, you might be Christians now. Now, this is just for prayer. Prayer only. This is just a prayer. Now, this is just praying. And then make sure there's other people listening. Did you hear what so-and-so did? This is just for praying. And then give you that. And walk away. No prayer well. Anybody ever been down that road? The one's just for prayer. I'll tell you what. When somebody comes to me, unless it's a really spiritual person that I know is really spiritual, and I know that that person does that today, I'd like you to give me a prayer for so-and-so. They're really being challenged again. And we're going to pray for people. That's one thing. But whatever it is, I'll tell you right now, whatever your weakness was that you fell for, that's where he's going to challenge you at. And that's why you got to have your guard up. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. And so that's the number one thing I want to talk about. Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not in. I want to say this again. Everybody, including Jesus, is tempted to do wrong. There's a difference between the temptation and stepping out to do it. Because once you cross the line, you put action with the temptation, then it became sin. And then that's a whole different category. We're not going down that road today. So anyway, as, as a born-again Christian, you need to close those doors. And so you need to do things like shut off the TV more. Shut off the social media more. Make the choice. Make the choice. That if I've got the energy to go to work every day, if I've got the energy to go to ball games and all these other functions I've done in life, then I can get the energy to go to church three times a week. And this sounds like a foreign, like a like a, a, a foreign world to people that don't know this lifestyle. But I'll tell you one thing: for 43 and a half years, I have enjoyed women. I've enjoyed my family. Not having all the calamities and stupid stuff I see go on in so many other families all the time. Why is that? We've been fanatics. Think about that word fanatic. What's the, what's the first three letters of fanatic? F-A-N. Fan. Fanatic. I know people, I know people in my church here in California since I've been here that have been season ticket holders to ball games. And drive a long ways after a long day of work to stay up late to drive back here from ball games because they were fans. I've known people in my church here that were Disney fans. They get season family passes for Disney every year, and they were fans. They would drive down, live through all the traffic messes, spend all the extra money besides the ticket. I mean, you know, they were fans. And it's no big deal when you live in the same town as your church, a church that teaches the word like we do, and does what we do, to be able to pinch yourself, squeeze yourself, or whatever you got to say, come on, buddy, we're going to church. Because remember, your body is not your master. You will tell your body what to do. Amen. You go to bed early so you can get up early and be ready to go to church. But I'm talking about things that will help you win the spiritual warfare. Jesus said your flesh is weak, so you got to do something about it. Amen. Mars, uh, would you clap for something for me? So you know, I mean, for true fans, we're going to clap and we're going to shout. 
going to get excited because your leaders hit home runs one after another. Okay. Amen. We got, we got, we got, we got some casual genders in our ticket holders. Okay. Your number two source of the battles you face come from Satan and demons. I want to say this again. I look at Satan and demons quite different than a lot of Christians do because they don't know what I know. I've been taught by the best. I've been, I've been in battle after battle after battle after battle for years. And I've won, and I've won, and I've won, and I've won. Because I know who my enemy is, I know where my position is in authority over the enemy. And so the New Testament teaches a lot and how to win over Satan's schemes every time. But you must learn to know that you have already won every battle, every battle before it started that Satan wants to bring your way. I want to show you something from a whole different perspective. Holy Ghost gave this to me all day long. And finally, just a little bit about work. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll start off there. And so I always look at Psalms 23. Psalms 23. And uh, a verse that you've probably never seen this way. But we gotta, we got to look at the Bible through the eyes with the help of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Bible, 1 Peter, says that the Holy Spirit inspired men of old to write these words down? And so when I read these words, they're not just words that men wrote, they're words that the Holy Spirit told them to write. That's right, amen. Amen. And I, you know, some, something else that I've lived my life for a lot of years is this. I know that God knows more about my future that I know about my past. Amen. And the Bible, the Bible, a lot of it is God telling us about the future. So Psalm 23, he was showing King David the other side of the cross. A thousand years into the future, he showed David what was going to happen, and then he wrote it down here in Psalm 23. And so I'm not going to read the whole Psalm. I'm going to read one verse to you. And then we'll find out if you got your shopping clothes on or not. See, there's so many things in the Bible that we've just heard taught as really nice little things that make us feel good and things like that. This is equipment. That's for warfare. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In the presence of mine enemies. If I had... A big, ugly, mass murder, thug, and all these different gangs they got now, all, all the tattoos and the rings and the demons and all the stuff. I'm not judging by God those things, but how many know you've never really seen any nice guys in gangs that wasn't covered, had all kinds of stuff. And you know that these guys, they got, then you start learning here about, well, that mark there means he's done this. That mark there means he's done that. They got there. And all that stuff is doing but fear of me. There's no way I can sit in the presence of the true three of those guys that were on the loose and with peace in my bill. But if they were chained up behind bars, electric fence around them, and they knew they made, they got shot. You know what I can do? I can sit there. I can eat steak and baked potato for one too. I'm not one of the really super duper alpha leaders. I eat healthy, but they don't like. 
I can have ice cream. I like ice cream. I can sit there right there and look at those former mean guys that can hurt people behind those bars. And I can just eat like that and just grin full of peace. He said, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. The only way you can eat in peace in the presence of your enemies is if your enemies are defeated. He's looking at the future when Jesus takes care of Satan. I want you to think about this. When you get the revelation, and we're going to look at some verses going to help you. You get the revelation that Satan's already defeated. You're going to be able to go back to sleep no matter what he's threatening you with. You're going to go to sleep. You're going to have peace. And I think about the Old Testament. And back during the Middle East War, we've had in present-day times, we saw some of this in action. Do you know that when you read the Old Testament, when there was mean kings that really destroyed Israel and they defeated them, you know the first thing they did? They drove the king through the street with his hands cut off. That sounds pretty gross, but you got somebody been murdering all your people, you're terrorized at them. The whole, the whole nation terrorized. They take those kings and the king's leaders or generals, they cut their heads off. They drag their bodies out, they hang them on a wall, and then those people can sit there and press their enemies because their enemies are totally destroyed. And they can eat in peace again and say, wow, we can unlock our doors again. The kids can go out and play again. The enemies are defeated. Well, how do you know that? Because there they are hanging on the wall. That's them. That's the bad guys. They're all destroyed. And you know, another verse I'm going to give you because I'm not really going to go there right now. But First Peter 5 8. How many have heard this verse? That Satan goes about as a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. Seeking to be made a bar. He's not a roaring lion. But anybody ever seen the Wizard of Oz besides me? Anybody ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Man, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. Okay, you remember the line in that show there? You remember what happened? He tried to scare Judy. And Judy said something about, Oh, you poor thing, you. I thought I had to fool. Oh, I can't scare anybody. You call Satan at his game in the name of Jesus. And say, Satan, in Jesus' name, I know you. You're not a roaring light anymore. Jesus pulled your fangs. Jesus pulled your claws out. You have no claws. You have no fangs. All you can do is act like you got something you don't. All you got is guns. Ever remember to see those Santa Claus cartoons the Bible Snowman? Remember that, remember that guy? Whatever they would pull his face out and Bob Snowman. <laughs> It couldn't even come anybody. Now listen, I'm giving you guys some examples to help you see the spiritual realm. We'll look at a couple verses on this in a minute. But you get a hold of this. Why, why, why would you be afraid of a stupid big tomcat coming at you if you already knew it had no claws and had no teeth? All you can do is make a swipe at you and say, oh man, that feel good. Get me over here too. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. The first thing is spiritual warfare. You have to understand Satan has already been defeated. The only thing he's got to use against you, we're going to see this in a minute, I know I'll get to it. The only thing he's got to use against you is lies and deception. And remember, it's watch and pray that you're not deception. If you're not a person that is serious, about your Bible, 
and prayer and quiet time consistently with the Lord that He'll fool you every time. You build the prayer line all the time, telling you how tell us how rough it is, how sacred and after you all week long. And I thought, man, this is the reverse you're supposed to be after him. You know, you're running the wrong direction. You're running away from him. You're supposed to run into battle because you've already won. There he is. Amen. Is this helping? Why is anybody really listening to this? Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. I'm not my King James because that's, that, that's my uh, choice of weapons. I like the King James. But uh, in Colossians 2, 15, you probably got different translations and a lot of them said a lot of good things. And when, when, I, when I read verses, I know a lot of what, what the original meanings are and I, I use those. But Colossians 2, 15, keep it in mind. Psalms 23, 5. Jesus hath prepared a table in, for you in the presence of your enemies. And so, whatever you're facing in life, Jesus says, I want you to be able to sleep in peace. I want you to be able to eat without getting ulcers. I don't want you to be full of worry about what you're going to do. I've already taken care of it. But if you don't know it, and act on it, it'll do you no good. Let it do no good at all. Colossians 2, 15. Talk about what Jesus did at the cross. Says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, traveling over them in it. Now I'm going to tell you what that means so you get this. Having spoiled, in, in, in that might not another translation to Greek is that spoiled, spoiled means that Jesus paralyzed and disarmed. Paralyzed and disarmed Satan. Says he made a show of him openly. And so Satan was the master of death. And you read the book of Matthew, when Jesus was crucified and went down and was taken care of business in hell, take the keys of death, hell, the great way of the devil, it says many of the graves in Jerusalem were opened. And said the saints that had died came out of those graves. And walked openly around the people. And that was God in the spiritual realm so showing that Satan's now been defeated. He can't hurt you anymore. He went right down and set the captives free, the Bible tells us. And then you see about principalities and powers. I don't think I'll be looking at Ephesians 6 12, but it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rules of darkness of this world against spiritual weakness in high places. And I'm not, I'm not getting deep in that area there, but the thing is, Satan has rank in the demonic world. There's principalities. That's, that's the little, that's the demons that pester you every day. You know that when Jesus called him Beelzebub, that Beelzebub means the Lord of the flies? What does they mean Beelzebub? Well, think about this. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, this little thing buzzing in your ear. Have you ever heard about uh, the firing darts that come against your mind? That's little principalities. And those things come against you. Look at the way your daughter looks up the front row. She'll believe the words you're saying. Look at her. She, look what she's doing. That's a little fly buzzing. Send all Satan in the name of Jesus and get out of here. Well, look, 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 look the way Dave's acting. Dave, 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 Dave,
Man, it's hot this day for the heat today. A beer would sure taste good. Oh, man, what I like to get for a beer. That's a principality buzzing your ear trying to get you to go back there. Or you have a little fight with your mate before you leave in the morning time. And you get on your job, whether you're a man or a woman, and somebody of the opposite sex is friendly towards you. And all of a sudden, this little thing buzzes in your ear there. Well, uh, she won't listen to you. I bet she listen. Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't really care about you anymore. He doesn't love you anymore. I bet he does. I bet he'd be a really good man. That's a little principality because your spirit would never think that. Your spirit has the love of God. Your spirit has the love of God for your wife, your husband, your children, your fellow Christians. The little principalities are the ones left with demons. And that's the ones that get the thing started in your life because you fall. you got to deal with them right now. you got to say, no, Satan. You've waited me in the name of Jesus. A beer would not taste good. And matter of fact, my wife looks better than ever. And... She might look good for somebody, but not for me, because I've got my own wife at home. Amen. 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 It, 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 might, it might be someplace getting ready to pay for something, and somebody needs a $20 bill laid out in the restaurant there on the counter, and nobody around. Well, man, I should need that 20 man. I, I don't take a look besides God watching that. I don't think I can because it were too. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying, all those little thoughts. The second this tense says, casting down thoughts and imaginations that are behind them. Thoughts itself against thoughts. Those kind of principalities. And then you got the powers. That's the next range of demons. And so on and on and on the rulers of darkness in this world. Spiritual weakness in high places. That's why the spiritual weakness in high places are the highest level of demon there is under Satan. They're the ones that control cities. When I was a truck driver, I used to see this very well when I was learning a lot of these things. You become to a certain part of the city, and all of a sudden, fear grips you. And you know, you might have to see anything out of their orange, all of a sudden, fear gets you. And then you might be finding out from people live there that this is what's taking place in our city right now, and et cetera, et cetera. Because those things are up there, wanting people to murder, wanting people to do all kinds of evil things. And then you come to another city, and all of a sudden, you just feel like crazy little or bad things good, and you find out there's revival going on in that city, because people have done their homework, their prayer work, and they take care of the spiritual things to where those rules of darkness this world are not allowed to make our city. And our church, and I'm sure other churches too, are doing our work right now. This confession we're making, man, this is not just about a chant we do. We're not chanting. We're telling the devil where he belongs. We're telling the Lord, you're welcome here. You're open here. This is what our city is. This city's full of peace. This city's full of love. This city belongs to Jesus. That's what we're doing. But that's in the spiritual realm and those different levels there. That's how we deal with those in the spirit when we don't get caught up majoring on demons. Amen. We know what's going on. As a matter of fact, Paul told the Corinthians said we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. That means we're not ignorant of his strategies. We're not ignorant of how he operates. Amen. And so we're seeing some of those things that help us. And so, Colossians 2.15, Jesus has paralyzed his heart, put the knot to nothing, taking the weapons away from Satan. And so all he can use 
is deceptions and lies. Try to see if you'll buy into it. Because no matter how much we teach this, I know that some people in our church still don't get this because I hear the mouth. Mark 11, 23, yes. Jesus said, we'll have what's in every we say. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are the authority of your tongue. Matthew 18, 18 says, what you bind on earth, which means what you forbid in your house, must be what's forbidden in heaven. What you loose on earth, or what you forbid in your house, must be what's forbidden in heaven. Satan, as a royal line, walking around seeking to be made a fire. And when that stuff hits your house, whether it's a sickness attack, strife attack, poverty attack, whatever it is, Satan can't do a thing until your mouth opens. Well, you know, we've tried that kind of stuff. The preacher said, don't forget what the preacher said, what did Jesus say in the Bible say? Amen. Did he say bring it in, he reduced the devourer? Did he say open the windows? Well, knock that, knock, knock, knock that stuff off. Forget the preacher said, all the preacher did is point to what Jesus said. And when you get it in your heart that Jesus said, bring the tithe in the storehouse, I'll open with his hand from big devour. And then, when the attack comes on your home, well, it's finances, sickness, strife and division, the devil's right there. And he's going to point to see what you're going to say. The devil says, your washing machine's making a noise, go <coughs> out. The devil says, those tires are bald, probably going to blow out as soon as you get on the road. And all these different lies he tells you, when that happens, the devil's waiting for your mouth to open. And when your mouth opens to agree with him, well, tithe and don't work. But you just, you just prove that the law of confession does work. Because when you put the words out there about tithe and don't work, guess what? It quit working for you, but the law of tithe still works. But the law of confession is don't put over the devil to have it still kill destroy in your finances. And I tell you, I learned, uh, Sabrina, you caught that, didn't you? I'll tell you what. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, I learned so many years ago that my mouth and the power of words, sickness and disease, and how all those things work, no matter what's attacked our house, we've always kept our words in agreement with the Word of God. We did not deny, we did not deny that you tried to hit us. But we did deny the right to overcome us. If you don't acknowledge, if you don't acknowledge somebody shooting at you, how are you ever going to shoot back? Or you ain't got to defend yourself. And we don't shoot back with guns. Unless you're in that place. You know what I'm saying? In that physical, it's a physical world. But in the spiritual world, when this thing is hit, everybody in your house is going to get COVID this year, and they're all going to die. Everybody in your house is going to get this, and the CDC says this, and the CBS says this, and all these people say this. But you know what I say? I say what Mark 11, 23 says. I says, mountain, you're removed in the name of Jesus. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Christ has redeemed us the curse of the law. We're totally free. And Psalm 91 says, a thousand may fall on my left hand, ten thousand on my right hand. 
not fall on me. So we're going to come through this whole season with what the Bible says. And that little demon comes again and tells you what's going to happen to your house. And he's going to your mouth to say, that didn't do what he said when you open your mouth and says what going happened to our house. Satan, here's an open door. Come on in and bring it on. We're just going to sit here and just live, live in fear. And then you totally destroy us. We're not going to go out. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to enjoy life anymore because we want your life. Amen. Amen. They matter on me. But when you speak the word of God, you said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to protect our house. And uh, I don't look at Facebook anymore. I hate that goofy prayer I saw going around. Lord, come to my house and remove all that evil. He told you it's your house. You remove all that evil. If you don't want that stuff in your house, get rid of it. Have a book burning. Amen. Have, have, have a whatever social media burning. If you don't like the evil there, get rid of it. He told us, that to God, resist the devil. If you don't like strife and sickness in your house, get rid of things that don't belong there. You do it. Jesus is not your servant. Amen. Amen. That's, I don't even want to say that good for
You want to help people that know you can't go home with to sit there babysitting all day and all night, but they can go home with the same Jesus you've got. Amen. Revelation chapter 12. And I'm, I'm going to start at verse 5, read a few verses just to help you. But this chapter is about when Satan's name was changed, he was Lucifer. And you, know, you might not know that. His name was Lucifer in the Old Testament. And he was the head of the singing angels, the worshiping angels in heaven. He led God's praise to you. And he got a big head. And he got to be so good at what he was doing, he didn't realize that all his ability came from God. They thought, wow, man, I, I can leave heaven now. I can take over God's throne. And so it says then that, and you read the first part of this chapter, it says that God then asked all the angels who was on Lucifer's side, said, if you, if you want to be on Lucifer's team, get over here. And the ones who going to stay with me get over here. Two-thirds of the angels stayed with God and one-third followed Lucifer. And he kept them down to earth. And then we had that problem to do with the Garden of Eden. And so anyway, that's, that's how this whole story goes to where we're getting. So all the demons there are were fallen angels. <coughs> and now it's the same. So anyway, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. Now look at this. This here is key that you understand this. It says, Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He deceiveth the whole world. And so this, this, the devil deceives the unsaved people and Christians that don't know the Bible. He deceives them. Christians haven't been taught what I'm teaching you right now. You need not to be deceived. Jesus, John 17, said we're living in this world, we're not of this world. Amen. Our home planet is called heaven. We're right now, we're aliens down here on earth. And Hebrews teaches us that. They said we're aliens, we're foreigners, we're strangers in a strange land. And I always look at us, to me, the things I'm teaching is very real to me, or I wouldn't be teaching. It's very real to me. If I went to outer space, that's a foreign place for my earth suit to be. I'd have to put on a space suit so I could breathe, or I couldn't breathe and live in outer face. That's why the Bible says in James that the body without the spirit is dead. That I need this suit I'm in right now. You need your suit for your spirit to live in. Your spirit needs this suit. The suit's still laying there. After I get out of the suit, the suit's laying there, the astronaut's out here. If I leave my suit, I'm in heaven. That's my home. If you leave your suit behind, you're going to heaven. And so we're in this world temporarily, but this is not our home. We are an occupied army for God down here. We are the ones. We are the ones. And Luke, he said, that was supposed to occupy to be returns. Occupy means control. We're supposed to control what goes on in our uh, realm of influence. And I'm thinking about different military people, soldiers and stuff like that go to our church. They know much more than I do. But I know when you go to a territory and you gain ground, you're supposed to control that territory. Well, the, the ground you gain in life, the victories you get over the things that had you, you're supposed to control them. You're supposed to control what happens. That's who we are. But the world doesn't know this. Satan deceives the whole world. But I'll say this, he doesn't see me. Amen. I can eat in the presence of fear and trouble.
because it may be attacking the outside, but not my inside. Amen. Now get a hold of this. And just say this, but you need to say this. You need to hear yourself say this. Say this. Say, Satan is deceiving the whole world. He doesn't deceive me because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. Doesn't that make you feel good to say things like that?
and he told us what we find on earth is bad to him. I break your power to get her again. You're not going to have her in Jesus' name. I break your power over him, and I'm bringing it back on him in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that. And then you don't go spread to everybody else. Man, you hear what happened to poor old so-and-so? They're back at it again. You know what's happened? Like Pastor Dave said this morning, you're operating in the law of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest works on the negative side as well as the positive side. So if you're sowing positive, the Bible says you will reap it. If you're sowing negative, the Bible says you will reap it. And I'm talking about spiritual warfare right now. I'm talking about spiritual warfare that you can win every time. Every time. Every time. You can win these things. But you've got to cooperate with the Bible. And so verse, then verse 11 is a key, is a key verse, is a key verse for spiritual warfare. And so this whole chapter is talking about Satan and his defeat. And verse 11 talking about us, the body of Christ. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They loved not their lives until the death. There's three components of spiritual warfare, warfare right there you've got to see. Now, you know, if you weren't raised in church, you may not have heard this expression. I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I plead the blood of Jesus over that situation. I plead the blood of Jesus over my job. I plead the blood of Jesus over my church. Well, see, back in the Old Testament book of Exodus, when they were delivered from Egypt captivity, so that's a type of been delivered from Satan's captivity. God said, you all kill a lamb. Put the blood over the doorpost of your house, and the death angel is coming to Egypt. And when the death angel sees the blood over your house, it will pass you by. And the Lamb is Jesus, the Lamb of God. He was crucified. His blood was shed for our deliverance, of course, our eternal salvation, and everything else. And so when the Israelites in Egypt put the blood over their doorpost of their house, then when the death angel comes, he saw the blood, he kept on going. And so we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And so if one of my family members, if one of you were being caught back into drugs again, or whatever else it was in your life, I'd say, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I plead the blood of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you. You said we overcome by the blood. Lord, I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. If it's safe to try to bomb my house with trouble, I say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my house. I plead the blood of Jesus. Listen to me, guys. I'm telling you very seriously that the Bible is what works. This is God talking from the Bible to you. If you are not a person that understands, just understand that the Bible says the power of the blood, so it must be. The Bible says the blood is the first component to overcoming these battles. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over my life, my family, over the things trying to hit me, and... Think about this about the blood. You were born again because the blood of Jesus did what? It washed away your sins. Gave you a fresh start. And so if that miracle could take place because of the blood of Jesus, no matter where you are in the world, you can be in the middle of the most ugly, demonic, infested community in the whole world, and the devil can't stop a person from receiving Jesus through the blood of Jesus no matter where they're at. And so the blood of Jesus works. And then it's said by the word of their testimony. Don't you ever, ever, ever be afraid to talk about Jesus. When you're with a fellow human being, a 
to go back to the world, you need to tell them. If you've been through that down that road, you need to tell them. That used to have a whole lot of meaning, but Jesus set me free. <coughs> By the word of testimony, you need to testify. When people are going through something, you know, there's so many things in life I've been through, I forget about different things and try to help somebody. I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot all about that, man. That was too. I, I, I got rid of that, but Jesus set me free. And so you need to be able to testify. And then the last part, love got their own lives until the death. You have got to love Jesus more than you love your life. You've got to love Jesus more than you love people. And sometimes people will misconstrue things. But God himself said, if you love anything more than me, anything before me, then that's a God to you. Did you know that your mate can become your God? Your children can become your God. Your parents can become your God. Anything you put ahead of loving Jesus becomes your God. But the thing is, my wife and I can prove out all of our years of marriage things, when we love Jesus first, our love for each other multiplied. Amen. When we love Jesus first, our love for our children is multiplied. When we love Jesus first, our love for our grandchildren is multiplied. When we love Jesus first, our love for the Christians of our church is multiplied. Because if Jesus isn't first, then there's not a lot he can do in your life. Is this helping anybody? I got so much more I can say, but we've got to shut it down. But I'm telling you what I've told you right now are absolute keys to victory. Revelation 12 11, you need to write down. And when you go to verses, and 1 John 4, 4, I'll leave that with you. That's where you go to verses. You look at those things, I wish there was more I could have with it, but I can't. And we go for a couple of weeks, we can't give you part two next week. We got we have we have a lot of children and grandchildren. We're going to apply to Florida for high school graduation. They're going to jump to Indiana for high school graduation. They're going to come back to California. That's the price you pay. But you will look at this and be fruitful and multiply. How many are afraid of the devil? Nope. Amen. How many believe that God wants you to be able to eat your meals and keep them down to enjoy it? Amen. That's the way it is. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what, as we are getting ready to close it down, if, uh, if you, if this spoke to you, and you've been being hit with temptations, you've been being hit with fears, and uh, you need help, come up here. I want to lay hands on you and pray over you in the name of Jesus, and I'll get that off of you. And then when you get out of here, you're the one that has to say, no, Satan, I pray for that, I'm not calling for that. You're a deceiver. You're a liar. Jesus set me free. I'm going to stay free. So if you need help, come up here and let me pray for you.
We want to remind you tomorrow night, 6 to 8 o'clock, 8th Street Park. Everyone's invited. We're having a big family picnic at the park. Uh, Lawrence and Leah are in charge of our uh, family ministry. They're going to be in charge of that event. But it's going to be a phenomenal evening. So come on out. If you have little kids, bring them. If you don't have little kids, just come on out anyway. We're hanging out. It's fellowshipping and having a good time with the family. 6 to 8 p.m. 8th Street Park, okay? All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer, and then we will speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, so much for what we have seen in the Word of God tonight, and we know that, yes, we have an enemy, but Jesus is greater, and so we choose to resist the devil. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil, and we know that he has to flee in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that this week is going to be a great week, Lord, starting a new week tomorrow on Monday, and we're going to go into it rejoicing and full of victory because of Jesus, and we say it's going to be an awesome week. We love you, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Amen. All right, let's do our Barstow Faith Confession, and then you are dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. 